From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Friday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. And good morning. Welcome to GRN Alive Friday edition on this beautiful August 14th, the 19th week in Ordinary Time. And also today, the memorial, the feast day, I always get those mixed up. I wish I had a theologian in the house. I didn't... <laughs> yeah, know, but, but a liturgical theologian. Yeah, right, right. Okay, so officially on the USCCB website, it says, Memorial of St. Maximilian Kolbe, priest and martyr today. But, it's his uh, feast day. His feast day. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, they call it a memorial. It's a feast day. So anyways, so we lift years up our ago, prayers to him. What's that? 19 years ago, I was, in, uh, I w- I was there in uh, Poland. Oh, is that right? Uh, yeah, on the anniversary. Oh, wow. Uh, it was, I forget which anniversary it was of his death, but yeah. Awesome. It's liturgically it. rich time because I'm, I'm going to see if we can connect a couple of uh, liturgical things. By the way, Dr. Chris Malloy, whose voice you just good heard, morning. Uh, author, teacher, all, all things good. How you doing? Good to see you. I'm doing well. Original yeah. sin, too, but he faced in <laughs> baptism. <laughs> and uh, your book is coming along. I want to talk to you about it that is. in a the second. The publisher, uh, I got an acceptance from a publisher. I'm not going to announce it just now. Okay. But, um, is it the, somebody like a name that everybody would recognize? Like, yeah. Oh, okay. It's not like some obscure publisher like no, no. Dave Palmer Publishing or <laughs> That's something, right. right? ChrisMalloy.com. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, congratulations. Thank you. And it's called oh, Against no. Recent Heresies. That's right. Diffusing Confusion. Okay. And recent heresies, does that mean it's not something that goes back, you know, the same kind of heresy that we might have had? Heresies keep coming back. So a lot of these, you know, have been around, but they're, they're things that people are doubting now. Okay. And just for various reasons. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons is just, you know, the episcopacy not clarifying things. So people are like, what? Do we believe that anymore? They're getting dizzy. It's not really designed for non-Catholics. It's designed for Catholics who really want to hold the faith, but yeah. they're a little confused right now. Right. So that's who it's designed for. Oh, okay. But you'll let non-Catholics buy it. Oh, I, of course. <laughs> of course. Okay. Because some of them, like I say in the in the, in the the preface that, um, you know, our Jewish midwife was yeah. almost offered us like condolences because of the kind of confusions going yeah. on now. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's kind of how I'm like, Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, this, in fact, this morning I went and I, I looked at cat, the catechism teaching on certain you know moral issues just to, just to say confirm, yes, yeah. this is what the Catholic right. Church teaches. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Cecil Anderson is also here. She is uh, not back on vacation. She's no. here two weeks also in a row Also not an author now. of a book. <laughs> not, <laughs> not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Not yet. <laughs> She's got her own show Directors here lo- locally, uh, young and present. And so how you doing? Good to see you. Thank you. All right. So yeah, this date in 1941, St. Maximilian Kolbe died, and then the next day, uh, his remains were cremated. And I was thinking, like, gosh, they had cremation back then? But it probably wasn't his choice, I mean, because he was in a concentration camp. They yeah, probably no, just, they, just dumped him into a pile or something, yeah, right? Uh, yeah. 
Uh, Typically with the things that the bodies pile up, yeah. you know, and then they put them in there. But here they were in a bunker. They were starved to death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And singing he was the last songs. one to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I've got, yes. I, I pulled up uh, some, some fascinating facts about St. Maximilian awesome. Kolbe. We'll talk about it in a second. St. John Paul II visited uh, his death chamber in Auschwitz, 1979, proclaimed him patron saint of our difficult age. And so I think that certainly would apply to today as well. And uh, by the way, we uh, we are going guestless today. Okay, guestless meaning we have no guests. Last week we had three guests, and so sometimes we have a lot, sometimes we don't have any. But that also highlights the importance of you, dear listener, chiming in and being part of the program. And so I'm going to give out the phone number, and if you feel compelled at any point during the program to talk, uh, give your opinion, ask a question, we really appreciate hearing from you. And I think last week we had several calls. And of course, we broadcast all over the the, the network from D.C. and Florida, Alabama, Kansas, New Mexico, Texas. Uh, I think I hit all the all the states. Um, and so we want to hear from you. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Diane Xavier is here also, and she does a, a fabulous job on our social media platform. So if you want to not only um, uh, listen, uh, but watch and see what we look like and behind the scenes, uh, go to Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. And uh, the handle is at GRN. Online at GRN Online. Uh, Maximilian Kobe also used uh, the media to fight the evils of his day. He organized also the Militia Immaculata. And also tomorrow is the solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Amen. And uh, that was, you know, people may not realize this. This was only dogmatically, infallibly declared 1950. Dogmatically. Yeah, yeah dogmatically, of course. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about that later on in the program. Munif, can you pronounce this? Munificentissimus. Wow. Okay. Deus. Deus. Uh, Pope Pius XII proclaimed the Assumption of Mary a dogma of the Catholic Church. Uh, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. And what I, what I really want to talk about is the connection between the two, uh, martyrdom and assumption, uh, and what, how is this all connected to us today? And I think there's uh, a lot to talk about. We're also going to have some, uh, had some of the stories in the news here with Cecil Anderson in just a minute. Uh, a couple of things before we get to the news, though. Uh, in our Washington, D.C. station, WMET 1160 AM, uh, next Thursday, August 20th, they're going to have their Fishers of Men dinner, uh, which is going to be a local event. It's going to be at the Bellhaven Country Club in Alexandria, Virginia, celebrate 20 years of Catholic radio and the Guadalupe Radio Network. The keynote speaker, I don't know if you've heard of him, Dr. Malloy, uh, Dr. I'm, I'm sorry, Father Hezekiah Carnazzo. No. I got into the car this morning early. Sunrise morning show is on. He was their guest. He's a great uh, theologian, and That's fantastic. so graduated from Christendom College in 2004, uh, master's degree in systematic theology. Don't you? You teach awesome. that, don't yeah. you? Yeah. And speaking of, and where's he a priest? Uh, he is. He has has his own parish in yeah, somewhere I think in Virginia, but I I don't know. <laughs> nice. I'm not sure the name of his parish. But in, in University of Dallas is starting up uh, in, in we are in person uh, in person. The students have an option if they want to do online, but we are going a number of us faculty, most of us are going to be there on ground. So I know that there are some Catholic schools out there that yeah. are, that have closed the uh, the on ground. So if you want to go on ground, call up <laughs> University of Dallas. There are a few spaces. My brother is starting. Uh, he'll go to orientation Sweet. today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, that's cool. And I'm a graduate of UD. Got my master's right. degree there. I remember visiting you in your office and yes. going in there years ago and asking questions. Little did I know that we'd be doing radio together know, one awesome. day. 
All right, so that that uh, again, the Fishers and Men dinner uh, for Washington D.C. is and WMET in D.C. is going to be next Thursday, August twentieth. And I know uh, Joe Schuler and Mike Washabaugh would love, I think they still have maybe some tickets available. Just go to the website, grnonline.com, and see if there are any tickets available. I know it's going to be limited seating and probably, you know, distancing and all that, but it's going to be an in-person event. Uh, Fall Sherathon begins four weeks from next Tuesday. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe it? I know. And uh, it's really cool. I got to do, every, every Sherathon, we give away a CD of some speaker, Scott Hahn or Father Ricardo or something, and... Uh, we decided the last two Sherathons to start doing in-house talks. And so nice. last Sherathon for the summer, Joe McLean from our Houston uh, station, well, he now is director of uh, mission and uh, uh, development, but um, he did the talk called Zeal for Souls. Sweet. And I got to do this one. Nice. And so the talk for the fall Sherathon is called The Joy of Hope. Which awesome. ties in perfectly. In fact, I talk about Maximilian Kolbe in, in my That's talk. Great. Oh, nice. About how could he have maintained joy under his circumstances? I, I, I argue, I think he could. He could have. I mean, despite how the horrific circumstances he was under. I talked yeah. about the nuns of Compiègne. I talked about nice. Therese of Lisieux dying in her, you know, before she hit 25 years old of yeah. tuberculosis. And I, I think her, her autobiography would attest to the fact that she remained joyful. Yeah, I mean, in, in the midst of uh, inc- incredible suffering. Pain, yeah. Uh, so anyways, uh, that's, uh, that's coming up on September 15th, the Fall Sherathon. So we hope you'll make plans to donate for that. Sweet. That's yeah. all week, right? Uh, Tuesday through, Tuesday through Friday. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you have time to get ready on Monday. Yeah. You can check your bank account and see how much <laughs> money you have and uh, make that, that big transfer, right? Yeah. All right. So again, love to hear from you. 877-757-9424. And let me say one more thing before we go to Sissel for some of the news that's going on. I, we have a very close relationship. All of our stations do with the local pro-life groups and, uh, apostolates throughout the network. And here in North Texas, there is the Catholic pro-life, uh, community. And uh, pro-life in Dallas is very important because Roe v. Wade got started in Dallas. The mm-hmm. the original Roe v. Wade was filed in uh, downtown Dallas, and so it, it, it it's very important. But they, like many other uh, apostolates, have uh, uh, Rachel Vineyard-type retreats for men. And they have one, it's called Project Joseph, and they're offering a virtual retreat for men who are suffering the effects of past abortions. You'd be surprised. Wow. I mean, you know, you think like women, abortion is just a women's issue, but I've interviewed a lot of men who suffer for decades because they either, um, you know, talked their girlfriend or wife or daughter into having an abortion. They, they drove them there. They paid for it. And they never quite forgave themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, anyways, there's going to be a, a, a Project Joseph virtual kind of Zoom type of retreat this Sunday, and if you're a man and you're listening right now and thinking, okay, that's me, and you want to have healing uh, from that, you can still sign up. And so I told him I'd mention this because uh, we're going to be talking about some issues touching on abortion today. Uh, 469-720-CARE, uh, 469-720-CARE. It doesn't matter where you are. It's, it's virtual, so that means everybody can participate. If you're a man, again, struggling with the, uh, the, the pain and maybe you know, having a hard time forgiving yourself, God will forgive you. And so I just want to mention that as well. All right. It is, uh, 11 minutes after the hour. This is GRN Live Friday edition. Thanks for joining us. And Sissel 
has been scouring through the news to see what's <laughs> going on. What's going on, Cecil? Uh, well, the big news that came from yesterday is the Middle East Peace Treaty. If you've heard of this, they, um, the Israel and the United Arab Emirates agreed to end decades of uh, enmity um, on a historic deal that was announced by President Trump that would um, put the Israeli annexation of the West Bank lands on hold as a condition of normalizing relations with the goal of hopefully one day there being trade, um, travel to and from directly so that Israeli can go when shop and it's it's a lot of plans for it it's currently just a um a statement uh, no more than a statement of intent intent right now but this would be the third only third country in arab that has um diplomatic relations with jewish with the jewish nation which yeah. is quite crazy yeah i think it's a pretty big deal it is a big deal but i think in an election year a lot of people are you don't want <laughs> on, on one side don't want to talk about it we're just all too wrapped up in oh, the election so much i going mean on. people are like oh okay a, a piece of corn in the middle east <laughs> okay <laughs> all right i heard the direct the director of national security said this is this could be worthy of the nobel prize yeah maybe that's a little bit premature wow. but uh, that's what he said yeah i don't know I, that'd be Interesting if that did happen. There's, I think there's a lot of politics involved in yeah, that. I don't so, see that. Definitely. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we'll see. I, I, and again, well, anyway, I'm glad we brought that up because that is a pretty big story. But I think it's kind of getting buried in a lot of the other things going on, such as yes. <laughs> such as this week was also the week that Joe uh, Biden announced his uh, running mate, which is going to be Kamala Harris, who um, has an interesting uh, background with the Catholic Church. <laughs> yeah. So um, she. I was when he announced that I was like this name sounds awfully familiar and I remember because we had discussed it I think on this show when she had talked um, um, against the Knights of Columbus when she was evaluating the nomination of Brian um, Boucher back in uh, as a district judge in Nebraska and she had some opposing views about that. Um, particularly that his membership of the Knights of Columbus could potentially compromise potentially pro- com- compromise his position yeah. um, which brought up a lot about your religion and your job and stuff like that. Well, so. it's it's interesting because I don't know if you saw this this week. <clears throat> um, Joe Biden put out just yeah. I think it was yesterday. Yep. He put out mm-hmm. a video which is kind of touting his Catholic faith, and it's like a minute long. And yes. I think they're it's they're going to play it at the the Democratic convention is going to be next week, right? And he talks, it, it says, this is the kind of moral conviction we need in the President of the United States. And he talked about visiting uh, the Vatican yes. and shaking hands and meeting Pope Francis. And I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he says, the first people I saw were a group of nuns who epitomized to me everything that Pope Francis is talking about regarding being our brother's keeper, reaching out to other people. Uh, and then he says something interesting. He said it was a good omen. He called it a good <laughs> omen uh, that I guess he was going to be running for president. Uh, and anyways, uh, he said being raised a Catholic and being educated by nuns made a big influence on me. We're our brother's keepers. Which is crazy because like that he just... You know, recently when the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the Little Sisters of the Poor, he was the one who came out and said that yeah. he didn't agree with that. And he then he put, puts this video with um, is praising nuns. Yeah, when, and then he then he picks uh, and this is the irony is he he picks a vice president who kind of all, well all but made a litmus test mm-hmm. uh, against this Brian Boucher for the district uh, judgeship in Nebraska of being yep. a Catholic. Yep. And she says, Senator Harris back then during those confirmation hearings said the Knights opposed a woman's, quote, right to choose 
and asked Boucher if he knew about that stance when he joined, calling the Knights, quote, an all-male society comprised primarily of Catholic men. I think it's all Catholic men. You have to be a yeah, Catholic. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. She's a little off there. Uh, she also asked the nominee if he agreed with Supreme Knight Carl Anderson's previous statements that abortion is, quote, the killing of the innocent on a massive scale, which has, quote, resulted in more than 40 million deaths. She she also asked, were you aware that the Knights oppose marriage equality? Uh, yeah. It's a very passive-aggressive way of saying that. <laughs> now, here's the thing about that is the, uh, the, you know, really the listeners should should look at the church's document called Participation in Political Life from, I think it's 2004. Very important document because they outline the non-negotiables when you're voting. And what are the non-negotiables? Well, the first one they identify is abortion. Then euthanasia, then the family safeguarded, quote unquote, monogamous marriage between a man and a woman for life. Yeah. And then they talk about the education of the children. We're talking about the right of parents to educate their children, like school choice, right? All these kinds of things are integral to the Catholic vision. Yeah. Um, they also talk about peace, which is important. Here's the, this touches what happened this summer. Peace demands the absolute and radical rejection of violence and terrorism and requires a constant and vigilant commitment on the part of political leaders. Mm. No, vigilance, that means you have to protect your people. Yeah. You can't defund, you know, massively defund those who are protecting the people. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. You know, it's... Uh... <laughs> The, uh, go, going back to the uh, the the issue with uh, Senator Harris and Knights of Columbus, I, the, the, the irony, I guess, is that uh, Joe Biden is touting his Catholicism, which you know he's a baptized Catholic. There was some I don't know if you saw the the, the tweet that uh, Bishop Tobin from Rhode Island put out. Let me see if I can find that. It was uh, oh, oh yeah, uh, Bishop Tobin from Rhode Island tweeted Biden Harris. First time in a while that the Democratic ticket hasn't had a Catholic on it. <laughs> and so, I mean, he's being, he's being facetious. Uh, he's saying, basically saying that Biden's not a Catholic. Of course, that created quite a, quite a firestorm Tobin as well. Tobin of all people. Wow. Yeah. Well, this is, there's two Tobins. This, this uh, is, uh, there, there's. That's right. Yeah. There, Providence. There's a, there's a Joseph Tobin. Then there, yeah. This is Thomas Tobin. There's, there's. From yeah, Providence. Yeah. The one's from New Jersey and one's yeah. from Rhode Island. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, 877-757-9424. One other thing I'll say, uh, there's a Representative Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii. She ran for president. She was in the debate. She's the one that's getting a lot of attention mm-hmm. now because she had a, a, a lot of uh, back and forths with uh, Senator Kamala Harris during the debates. She criticized other Democrats back at the time of Brian Boucher, who was, like we said, a district judgeship nominee in Nebraska. And she said, is he disqualified because of his Catholicism and his membership in the Knights of Columbus? Both Harris and Gabbard's fellow Hawaii Democrat, uh, Senator Mazi Hirono, have uh, honed in on his membership of the Knights. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard said, the party that works so hard to convince people that Catholics and Knights of Columbus members like Al Smith and John F. Kennedy could be both good Catholics and good public servants show an alarming disregard of its own history in making such attacks today. That's a good point. It I mean, because it's the Democrats who were trying in back in 1960s saying, hey, John F. Kennedy can be a good Catholic and a good president at the same time. And now there seems to be some people saying that's not possible. You use, you use what, what you can as a weapon. I mean, that's basically what they're doing, trying to find any, any kind of weapon. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And let's see. Okay. And the other thing that we probably want to point up about David Daleiden, because Harris was the... Was she the prosecutor? She was the state district. Well, she was the attorney that basically brought charges. Attorney general at the time that brought charges against Daleiden, I believe. And his house was raided or apartment. Yeah. 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 Why? Because he was investigating Planned Parenthood. Right, right. But she had also supported undercover uh, investigations uh, of animal abuse and cruelty to animals. And so she allowed that. But when it came to selling, uh, you know, aborted baby parts, then that's where she drew the line. And that, that's where she wanted to prosecute, apparently. Um, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. And, uh, this is Jar and Alive Friday edition. We're, go- we're, we're going rogue. We go- no, no guests, <laughs> but we do have calls that have come in. We're going to go to those. 877-757-9424. Uh, Father Paul, uh, from St. Monica Parish in Dallas has called in. Hi, Father Paul. Thank you for calling. Hey, good morning, Dave. Uh, Dr. Bonoy. Good, good morning. You. Thank you. Uh, I was listening to your, your coverage and, uh, on radio today for the first time, the Emperor of Japan went on the radio 75 years ago today and announced the end, uh, of the war with Japan, the Empire of Japan. He, he uh, mentioned total and unconditional surrender. So the last moment of our war with Japan is connected with the last moment of Our Lady's life on Earth. And the first moment of our war with Japan seven, uh, in 1941 was Our Lady's Immaculate Conception yeah. because they left Japan on December 8th and arrived at Pearl Harbor on December 7th because they crossed the international dateline. Hmm. Wow. wow. Yeah. It all kind of ties together, doesn't it, Fa- Father Paul? Our, our maybe, are, can you verify? Our lady's hand. Can you verify there that um, there was a um, there's some connection with the Maximilian Kolbe, I believe, because he had a mission in Japan. I, right. be- I believe some of those Catholics. The, I, I heard this anecdote that some of the Catholics in the area said that they would be. Now, this doesn't justify the bombing of innocents. I'm not. That's a problem, but that they that apparently Mary said to them that they would be the victims uh, for sacrifice for the end of the war, something to that effect. Like that, their sacrifice would bring about an end of the war. Did you know? Right. It's, did, it's, is a, it's a, the Japanese word is hanzai, which means a burnt offering. And that's what. And, um, and he started. Saint Maximilian Kolbe traveled to Japan uh, because he met some Japanese in Europe on a train, and they invited him to Japan, and he started a monastery just outside of Nagasaki because he did not have the money to build inside. And that monastery was totally untouched except for one glass pane in a wow. window. Those monks, um, those uh, Franciscans left and served the people in Nagasaki. But no, you're exactly right. The, uh, the, the Hanzai, they, they offered if, to bring an end to the war, peace to Japan, um, they would all, they would be willing to offer themselves as a Hanzai, a burnt offering. That's awesome. Hey, Father Paul, I know you are uh, probably more in tune with dates and events than uh, anybody I know. Uh, uh, Cecil just brought some attention to me. Do you know that there's somebody whose cause of canonization that's underway right now? We actually talked about it last mm-hmm. week, so that's another clue. Uh, and he died on this date. Do you know who that is? Who would that be? Father Michael McGivney. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It's a great weekend in the Catholic it, Church. It, it cer- certainly is. Certainly is amazing. Yeah. Father Paul, thanks so much for calling. Appreciate you uh, calling in and making those connections. Uh-huh. God bless. God bless. Thanks so much. Uh, 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. I wanted to talk about, you know, Maximilian Colby today because I, I think courage is something that is in short supply. I certainly feel it. I mean, there there's... Courage is tough in a day like this, you know, it's so easy to conform, it's so easy to just kind of lay down and, uh, you know, kind of go get get along to, to go along to get along and not cause any riff, and it's, you know, there's a lot of pushback if you do uh, support the, the the Catholic Church's teachings. I, I, I want to kind of juxtapose Maximilian Colby and what he did, willing to lay down his life, he fought Freemasonry, he fought communism, he he was outspoken, he was in the media, he ended up, you know, being poisoned to death. (laughs) They they couldn't, they they put him in a a group and he wouldn't die. And so they're like, how are we going to get rid of this guy? I think they tried to starve him, right? Yeah. The, right. the whole bunch of them, they, they starved. Com- mm-hmm. Compare this, and I'm probably going to get some sports fans a little uh, rustled here, but <laughs> a great article that I found in LifeSite News by a guy named Doug Mainwaring, and it's called um, Black Lives Matters Founders Have Emasculated Professional Sports. Uh, subtitled, Hundreds of Professional Ballplayers in Recent Weeks Quietly Surrendered Themselves to the Abhorrent Ideology of the Black Lives Matter Organization. I'll read part of it. He said, we have witnessed an unthinkable degradation as the whole country watched three Marxist women forced nearly every major league baseball player to kneel before them in their strange countercultural creed. He claims in this article, and I, I, I assume he's right. I mean, I don't, I didn't do the counting that, you know, cause baseball is back, right? And so they, they had their opening weekend. They had their opening games. There's, I guess, 750 approximately baseball players and, when they play the national anthem before the games, how many of those 750 refused to kneel? Um, take a guess. Or, or just stood? Just yeah, or stood, stood in, at, during the national anthem no like, like everybody would have done. No Ooh, idea. One. Are you kidding me? Wow. One person. Now, this is according to this article, okay? Uh, he goes on, By bending their knees, these men have paid homage not to civil rights, but to Marxism, to the destruction of the nuclear family, to transgender and gay political power, squashing not just religious liberty, but religion itself, to the defunding of police, to the erasure of Western history and culture. The great American pastime is no longer great. In fact, it's no longer American. Uh, he said the revolution was over before it began as hundreds of professional ball players in recent weeks quietly surrendered themselves to the abhorrent ideology of Black Lives Matter founded in t- t- uh, 2013. Uh, the queer affirming women who organized, who started this organization, this is his, these words, pulled off a mass castration of the players, Judeo Christian beliefs and whatever patriotism they held in their hearts. What's more, the emasculization of these athletes, uh, athletes was televised. So every young boy, every young girl is watching their heroes kneel, every 749 of them, and one stood for the flag. Hmm. Makes you think of Drew Brees. Drew Brees comes out in, in an interview and says, I think everybody should stand and be patriotic and, you know, I'm paraphrasing, and, and support the, the flag. And the, the, he got excoriated. And then he, the, the mob just descends upon him. And what does he do? Does he say, no, no, that, that's what I believe. I'm sorry. You know, I thought, these are my, th- my beliefs, and I'm going to stand by them. What does he do? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean that. And then his wife comes out later and says, you know what? We are the problem. <laughs> what? Where did that come from? 
Okay, so there's, there's moral roots to this thing, and that's that's I think the difficulty in navigating forward. It's the same thing with PC in general. There's moral roots, and they actually come from Christianity, from the dignity of the person. Yeah. I, I'm convinced of it, mm-hmm. and so, but they're, it's twisted. So, like we we have to respect the dignity of every person, regardless yeah. of of their uh, race, their skin color, etc. Absolutely, but then you twist it, and suddenly you sneak in all these weird ideas yeah. that, are, that are foreign to human nature. And the interesting thing is, I mean, there's been pushback against Black Lives Matter, and but they've never uh, renounced any of their claims on their website. In fact, I haven't been to their website lately, but I don't think anything's changed. I haven't seen it. Uh, this author said the Black Lives Matter organization has never repudiated nor denied its manifesto and practices which are committed to Marxism, which, which includes atheism, a rewriting of history, hate for anyone who disagrees with them, and anti-Semitism. This was according to, I'm sorry, this is according to Rabbi Michael Barclay. Uh, he wrote an article called I'm Boycotting Professional Sports Leagues that Endorse Black Lives Matter, and so should you. Uh, he said, we now live in an environment where bullies filled with hate have the ability to dictate practices where the loudest shout down what is right and righteous to push people to surrender to their dogma, and their hate has now pushed itself into acceptance on the institutional level. None of this should be surprising. Major League Baseball was already poised to make this. Last year, every single Major League Baseball team hosted a Pride Night, except for the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers, although both those teams have held homosexual Pride events previously. Wow. It's total capitulation. Yeah. And all the other leagues have done the same thing. And everybody just continues to to watch and support and, you know. You like watching the stuff, but man, now now you're getting caught up with this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to take a break here in a moment. Let's go to Maria real quickly. Uh, phone number 877-757-9424. And then compare all this to Maximilian Colby. I mean, I think that's, that's what, a breath we, of fresh we, air. we need some Colbys in our age. We yeah. need people to say, you know what? This is what I believe and I'm willing to die for it. And I don't care. The mob can come against me and I may lose my job or my popularity or my income. And, but you know, it doesn't matter. I, I, maybe I'm going to lose my starting quarterback position with New Orleans Saints or <laughs> my, that, that great, you know, sponsorship deal with Nike, uh, you know, but hey, this is what I believe. All right. Maria, thanks for calling. We got a, a break here in about one minute. What's on your mind? Hi, Dave. Hello. I just want to say that God has done a mighty thing for me because he gave me a grace and a gift to go to Poland and visit uh, Maximilian Kolbe's cell in Auschwitz. And so I consider the declaration of that uh, person in uh, Japan, Maximilian Kolbe's miracle, through the prayers of the Immaculata and the army of the Immaculata. And this miracle is amongst many from Maximilian Kolbe. Yeah. All right. Amen. Well, thank you. The, the, that's powerful. Going to going to Auschwitz. And yeah. Like, I, like there was there was a moment where we saw the the, the suitcases and the shoes yeah. of little kids. Right. Mm-hmm. And like we literally like fell to the floor. I mean, it's just. Do you think of what happened to all those people? Yeah. Mostly Jews. There were also some Catholics rounded up yeah. there in Maximilian Kobe. I've never been there, but uh, I did go to the home of Anne Frank, you oh, know, in, oh, nice. in Holland, because yeah. uh, my, my wife used to live in Holland, and uh, we went and visited there. And that, that's just being in a place like that, knowing 
the history and what happened at a place like that is uh, it's it's, 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 it is very powerful. Yeah. Can, before we take a break, can I just say one more thing on Maximilian Colby? Yeah. Oh, yes. I um, actually got to participate in a local video project for young adults um, a couple years ago that was all about um, St. Maximilian Colby, and we did a short film on um, his time in that in that bunker when nice. they set them in there. And it's really beautiful film. So if anyone would be interested in watching it and learning more, um, it's called Into Death and Beyond It on Vimeo. So. All right. Uh, real quick, we are going to take a break. This is Jarn Alive, uh, 877-757-9424. Just got a, got a tweet, a uh, tweet, a text uh, regarding the article about baseball. This person says that article is wrong. There were some players that kneeled during the anthem. There was a pregame opening ceremony where they had a moment of silence. That's where the majority were kneeling. The anthem played after. During the Cubs-Brewers game on opening day, uh, no one kneeled during the anthem. Okay, well, I, I, um, I, I, again, I, I assume that this is, this is correct as well. So, um, you know, that's a way of handling it, is yeah. to kneel, and frankly, in prayer yeah. right. for peace in the oh, nation. Absolutely. Not necessarily for uh, this movement, yeah. capital, you know, capital letters movement, but, but for peace in the nation. Mm. Right. Yeah, there's a image back when there was a lot of riots going on um, that of a sister kneeling with protesters praying the rosary, which I thought was really beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe there is some kind of uh, compromise that can be made, but I don't know. But you know, the, here, here's the thing about patriotism. You're not saying, I like the, the, the reigning president. I like the, the Congress. You're saying, I love this people. I love this land. That's what you're saying. Yeah. That's yeah. what patriotism is. You're not, it's not a political thing. Right. It's also the virtue I mean, of piety, right? The, yes. Yeah. We piety, owe it. Love of our parents and love of our land. The patria, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, but I, I think there are some people that don't like America. I mean, I Look, think there are a lot, a lot of people that are trying to fundamentally change the country. When there are presidents that make me really worried that I'm going to lose basic fundamental rights and specifically Catholic practices, I, I, I still do the, you know, I still do the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. I still do the, uh, yeah. the, the, uh, the uh, national anthem. The national anthem. Yeah. yeah, I mean, come on. All right. If you want to uh, take, uh, th- thanks for that uh, that text. I appreciate that information. Uh, I was going off the article that I had read from the uh, LifeSite News. Eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. We're going to still talk more about Maximilian Colby and also about uh, a priest was excommunicated in Sacramento. We can talk about that excommunication, and also we'll close out the show talking about the feast, the solemnity that we're going to celebrate tomorrow in the church, which is the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. What is that all about, and what does it mean for us as Catholics today? We'll be back with more Jaron Alive right after this. Is the Lord calling you to be a missionary? Hi, Joe Mc. McLean here, and the Guadalupe Radio Network is calling for Rosary Missionaries to join with the GRN in praying for very special intentions. Would you be one of them? Log on to grnonline.com forward slash missionaries. Together, we can bring the power of prayer to bear on a dark world in need of the light of Christ. Log on to grnonline.com forward slash missionaries. Solidarity HealthShare is rebuilding Catholic healthcare in America. We conform to the moral guidelines of the Catholic Church so you never have to worry about your healthcare dollars paying for anything that violates your conscience. From conception to natural death, we strive to serve all healthcare needs, protect human life, celebrate families, and promote the dignity of all people. Join Solidarity HealthShare in restoring and rebuilding authentic Catholic healthcare by signing up at SolidarityHealthShare.org, a sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. 
Hi, this is Len Oswald, president of the Guadalupe Radio Network with your GRN Family Minute. We operate this entire network of stations with just 18 full-time and four part-time GRN family members. We are so very thankful for all they do. Today, I have two GRN family members for you to come to know better. Dave Palmer lives in Dallas and is executive director of our North Texas operations. He also co-hosts GRN Live and joined the GRN on March 30th, 2006. He and his wife Paula have two daughters and one son. Dave loves to look for snakes in the wild. Lisa Martinez is the GRN's database manager and lives in Midland, Texas, working in our foundation offices. She joined the GRN on September 19th, 2006. She and her husband Gilbert have two children and four grandchildren. Lisa loves playing with her grandkids. We are your Catholic radio, radio for your soul. I love that. Those minutes, uh, I love. Yeah, Cecil just said, uh, we, we got Len to talk about snakes with me and Batman with you, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I do like to, to I don't I don't kill snakes. I, I catch them and release them. I, wow. I, I, I love snakes. But anyway. We were so. camping and we, and we the guy caught one, killed it, and then we we uh, cooked it up. Oh, is that right? And okay. Yeah, I would say that's okay. I, I, if you just Copperhead. <laughs> oh. He ate a copperhead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, that's kind of turning it around <laughs> on the snake. We dodged huh? the poison. Yeah, so anyways, this is Jaron Alive. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Dave Palmer, Dr. Chris Malloy from the University of Dallas, and also Cecil Anderson and Diane Xavier running our social media platforms, uh, 877-757-9424. want to talk a little bit more about Maximilian Kolbe. His feast day is today. Uh, a few facts about him you may not realize, and then uh, Dr. Malloy has some interesting facts about him as well. You know, he earned a, a doctorate in philosophy at the age of 21. Uh, he also earned a doctorate of theology. Uh, he founded monasteries in Poland, uh, in, in Japan and India. Uh, he provided shelter for 2,000 Jews during World War II. Uh, he, um, he was, of course, arrested by the German Gestapo and taken to the prison, eventually transferred to Auschwitz. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, he was killed by injection of carbolic acid. It was said that he calmly waited for the needle, raising his arm. Throughout these struggles, St. Maximilian Kolbe never abandoned his priesthood, and he died in this date, 1941, uh, August 14th, 1941. And, and you said he uh, some other facts about uh, the, his his time in the in the concentration camp. Well, so you know why he he died. Basically, this um, this. Uh Person escaped, yeah. and so the the Nazis said, "Okay, we're going to round up. I think ten people in yeah. in atonement for this guy's escaping." Right. And when a man was called, um, he started crying. He said, "I have a, a wife and children." And Maximilian Kolbe stood forward and said, Can, "May I take his place?" Mm-hmm. And the Nazi kind of looked at him annoyed, but said, "Yes." That man was present at the canonization. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like Maria Gretti's killer being present at her canonization. Yeah. You know, like the, uh, all right. So, uh, may, may St. Maximilian Colby intercede for us. I want to talk also about another story that, uh, made news recently, and that was the excommunication of a priest in Sacramento. And I, um, a Sacramento priest, uh, who had been exiled from the Roman Catholic Church by the Diocese of Sacramento uh, for continuing to hold Mass and teach publicly during his suspension. Um, 
He also refused to acknowledge the legitimacy of Pope Francis. Father Jeremy Leatherby incurred an automatic excommunication for offering Mass and teaching publicly to a number of the faithful and questioning the legitimacy of Pope Francis. According to his uh, bishop, uh, he substituted the Holy Father's name with the name of his predecessor during the Eucharistic uh, prayer and omitted my name, this is what uh, Bishop Jaime Soto said during the recitation of the Eucharistic prayer while offering Mass. Um, he would celebrate Mass in union with Pope Benedict and not Pope Francis. And so he was excommunicated uh, yeah. by his local bishop. And yeah. so obviously you've got to, you've got to recognize Pope Francis as the legitimate Pope. I mean, and you've yeah. got to use his name in the Eucharistic yeah. prayer. And so I don't know all the details. Of course, you read stories, but, uh, I think it's interesting in the fact that, uh, you don't hear much about excommunication these days or uh, anathema sit, as they used to say, right? Well, yes, anathema sit, uh, that's usually, uh, connected with a, a heresy, like yeah. a denial of a, Doctrine, but you can be excommunicated for various reasons, mm-hmm. uh, and it's even possible to be excommunicated for the wrong reason, right? I mean, it, it shouldn't happen that much, but the, the church notes that. You know, the theologians, good theologians, note that. I do want to add one thing about Father um, Leatherby. Yeah, the allegations there are just allegations that we know of, but they're thick and they're really uh, just d- 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 you know revolting. <laughs> okay. Okay. There are, uh, there are allegations against him, criminal conduct. Oh, or, is that or, right? I shouldn't say use the word criminal, but uh, right, it's just vile uh, conduct um, with uh, women, whatnot. Uh, but uh, yeah, excommunication. Yeah, you wanted to talk about excommunication generally. Yeah, and and also uh, kind of related. Cardinal Raymond Burke came out this week, of course, former prefect of the Vatican's highest court. And he reiterated in an interview, and this was just uh, Monday of this week, that uh, so-called Catholic politicians uh, must be denied communion for advocating policies contrary to natural law and basic church teaching, including on the topics of uh, abortion and homosexuality. Uh, He said, quote, they may not present themselves to receive Holy Communion because they're not in communion with Christ. Uh, Burke said during an August 8th interview with Martha McCallum, it's not punishment, actually, it's a, a favor to these people to tell them don't approach, because if they do approach, they commit sacrilege. And so I, I know that uh, a, a procuring abortion or, or doing an abortion is an automatic excommunication offense, and I, I've been surprised, a lot of people have been surprised, that there hasn't been more disciplinary action against on this topic, you know? And so anyways, if you want to just talk generally about excommunication and... Well, and I how- think, I might be mistaken, but I think Cardinal Burke was was talking about refraining from uh, participating in the Eucharist. He yes, wasn't no, talking about... No, he wasn't talking about excommunication, ex- yeah. but I'm just connecting it because some people uh, say, well, why can't we excommunicate the politicians? Right, you know? And right. I don't know, even know if that's a valid excommunication just for promoting it publicly. I think a lot of people say that that, that would be... Well, it's certainly reason not to you receive the Eucharist, participating but you have to be participating actively. In but the act, yeah. Anyways, but yeah, so generally speaking about excommunication... Um, so what is it? I mean, yeah. what it is is exclusion from the society of the Church. Yeah. Okay? And uh, some people don't realize that. It's not just simply refraining from these, but it's exclusion from all the rights that are rooted in baptism. Right? Now, you're still a baptized person, and so you still have this 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 title to those to those rights yeah. but the title is is uh, obscured by your behavior and the church can um come in with her law and say we exclude you from the exercise of those rights so for instance to be able to publicly worship with the church access to the sacraments that kind of thing now uh, there used to be 
uh, two different kinds of excommunication. I, I, we no longer practice those, but one of the practices used to be that you and I should avoid that person yeah. socially right. who has been excommunicated. Um, now, and nowadays, that's not uh, part of the thing. It's just the exclusion from the uh, practices, right? Of course, can you still pray? Obviously, you're encouraged to pray. Yeah. Why excommunication? Actually, the number one reason is not for the benefit of the excommunicant in all cases, right? Um, in, in some cases, the number one reason is to protect the body of the faithful mm, yeah. because this person's harming the church. So we need to excommunicate him to realize, hey, that person is no, let's say it's a bishop or a priest or some, I don't know, theologian or whatever, that we need to say, hey, that person is not part of this, uh, no longer part of this body actively. Yeah. And Excommunication always holds out the hope that they'll return. So it mm-hmm. always is medicinal for that person, but that's not the highest end uh, of the church or the immediate end of the church in all cases. Abortion, let's say you, uh, anyone who uh, procures abortion and knows or should know the law of the church that that, um, that uh, entails uh, automatic uh, excommunication, mm-hmm. they're excommunicated. That's for the benefit of the individual. Uh, not really for the church, because it might not even be, um, you know, you might not know about it, right? Right. I, I mean, it's just the person who uh, yeah. obtained this yeah. Um, yeah, would know about it. Yeah. I, I guess the, yeah, the excommunication is kind of like automatic in the, the case. In but that like case. you said, if you don't even, even know that you're excommunicated, if you're a Catholic. But I, I think, I guess well, the reason I brought Cardinal Burke in is that uh, it, it would be, it's not excommunication, but it certainly would be uh, good for the faithful if there were some disciplinary action against people who are supporting publicly who's, who's, abortion. Whose yes. platform says yeah. We will do everything in our power to codify Roe v. Wade. If there's a politician like that, it would do the faithful a lot of good for them to hear that uh, th- th- this is, first of all, against Catholic teaching and that that person shouldn't come forward to receive Eucharist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we have a comment on, on Facebook, or uh, did Diane, who put that? Diane, somebody was asking, anyways, I'm trying to make sense of this, because uh, sure. people are communicating with us. I, I couldn't quite understand what the, what the message was said there. Uh, anyways, we're down to our last uh, 15 minutes of the program. Uh, this is GRN Live Friday edition. We're talking about a number of things. Uh, Maximilian Colby, the assumption we're going to talk about in a second, uh, and also excommunication and how it all ties together. Courage in our in our day, which I, I think an age that, that, that definitely calls for courage. 877-757-9424. If you want to join us, you can also watch us on our, our social media platforms of YouTube and Facebook and Twitter as well. We love to hear from you. And a lot of people apparently want to talk about uh, Maximilian Colby because I love how uh, John Paul II said, so, uh, a saint during these difficult times. I yeah. think we need saints like so this. So loving, so tender, and so firm. Mm-hmm. I mean, just great combinations. Yeah, yeah. Two, uh, two, awesome. Saint on two counts. You know the white, the white crown and the red crown. Yeah, yeah. He said, "I'll take them both." Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had a vision of Our Lady when he was uh, younger, right? Yeah. And she said, "Which would you like? Yeah. Uh, what was it? Purity or, yeah, or which would you choose?" He said, "I'll take them both." <laughs> <laughs> That's my kind holy of greed, right? <laughs> uh, all right. So let's uh, let's pivot and talk about the solemnity that we're going to uh, celebrate tomorrow, which is the Solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which is the fourth glorious mystery when we pray the rosary, and uh, dogmatized back in 1950 by Pope uh, uh, Pius XII, 
And uh, it was uh, Muntifissimus Deus. Muntifissimus Deus. Most bounty for Say that five times, huh? Uh, this, uh, okay, it's a dogma of the Catholic Church uh, where he said, quote, well, he wrote, uh, the Immaculate Mother of God, the ever-Virgin Mary, having completed the course of her earthly life, was assumed body and soul into heaven. Uh, before you go in, because I know you got a lot more to say about this, uh, is it true that John Paul II declared during his pontificate that she did die? Because Pius XII yes. left it open, right? Uh, I would say no, but okay. is, is it part of the dogma whether she died? Can we get to that later? Yeah, okay, but the yeah, big thing yeah. is this: we, you know, we stub our toes, we get cancer, we get we get pandemics. Yeah. We are in exile right now in this life. And so it reminds us of original sin. Death is a punishment for original sin. That's the context in which we live. It's the context of the riots this summer and the immaculate conception uh, and the assumption. Now, I'm going to focus on the assumption. Yeah. 1950 made dogma. Five years before that, the war just ended, right? Yeah. So it is hope that in this veil of tears, we too will, will one day be resurrected with Christ and his mother yeah. in heaven for eternity. That's awesome. So like there's real hope again in this midst of the curse, yeah. okay? And that's what we hope for. So the that's the number one thing with the assumption is mm. the hope in the midst of this veil of tears. It's the end of the curse, right? Because uh, if you sin, you'll if you eat that apple, you will die. Mm-hmm. And so we're thrust into this world of sin and woe and death. The final victory resurrection okay now did she you, 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 the question did she die now you want to hone in on that yeah well you know <laughs> so, no, that, but that's the obviously the more important issue that's is, the huge uh, yeah, that, 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 that. yeah that, that's the other one is somewhat minutiae maybe it's important maybe not but I, uh, I, I, well it's, it's an important issue did his did his infallible declaration in 1950 include in in the dogma include the death it did not okay because in these declarations you got they're like 10 pages long same thing with the conception. Yeah. But the definition is literally one little sentence, one clause right. or a couple of clauses, right? That's it. And her death is not in that clause. But the Pope, about five, six, I count maybe even seven times in that document, talks about her death, her death, her death, her death. Mm. Nowhere does he say her death or her not death. He says her death. <laughs> okay, what do, the, what do our, our, our Eastern Catholics say? And yeah. what do the Greek Orthodox say? Dormition is their feast, and the dormition means you know sleep. It's a Latin translation yeah. of coimissus, uh, uh, I believe, um, for falling asleep. It means death. It's a euphemism for death. Mm-hmm. And they and they and the um, there is a father uh, Epiphanius who said, "I'm not sure what happened. I'm not sure if she died a martyr's death, a natural death, or she didn't die." That's Epiphanius. Okay. But what does John Damascene say? What is, what does all the other Eastern fathers pretty much say? She died. Yeah, she died. She died. She died. She was in the tomb. What do they mean by um, she was preserved from corruption? In other words, her body didn't rot. Mm-hmm. The, one of the biggest traditions is you know basically forty hours later, three days later, uh, after her death in the tomb. She uh, was uh, assumed into heaven. Yeah, that's the yeah. resurrected, assumed into heaven. Yeah. So, did she? Do you have to believe it dogmatically, like the uh, assumption? If you're a Catholic, no. But what does the Church teach through her liturgy? What does she teach? Um, and I'm talking the Eastern liturgies. Uh, 
Ludwig Ott says that in the Roman right, it's there. I, I just didn't see it. I was looking at the 1962 Missal. I didn't quite see it, um, but uh, he's he's a great theologian. Yeah. And so he says it's in the lit- liturgy. Pius XII says it six times in that encyclical. June 25th, 1997, John Paul II says the exact same thing. What do, but, but what are these? There's, there's pious Catholics out there who say she didn't need to die. That's absolutely true. So her death was also redemptive. Mm-hmm. And that's what John Paul says. Yeah. Redemptive. Yeah. Uh, amazing. We, uh, My wife and I are doing a consecration to Jesus through Mary. That's the, the awesome. St. Saint, Saint Louis de Montfort. Yes. And, uh, of course, it, it culminates, uh, you know, uh, it, it, on the, on the, tomorrow with the, you the feast the day. Feast. You've been doing it for 30 yeah, days. Yeah, that's so, a yeah, workout. We're, we're just about finished. And, uh, and, and the, the particular one that we're doing has writings from St. John Paul II and then um, St. Louis de Montfort. And I, I must say... And uh, I don't know if you've done this consecration, yes. St. Louis de Bonfort. There are times that when I'm reading this, it's like, whoa, he's he's, he's overboard. He's, yeah, he's going a little far. Yeah. I mean, he's I, I love Our Lady. I don't know, but he is a saint. And I don't. What are your thoughts as you read this? And I, and, and I think like, it's, wow, you know, he's. I mean, he really loves Our Lady. But <laughs> yeah, I think some of the expressions with a lot of these things that they're you, you take them in context and yeah. whatnot. You know, there's a general saying about Mary. About Mary, you can never say enough. Yeah. But yeah. when you but you can say some wrong things like she's God. Yeah. That's totally wrong. You can say she's worthy of worship. False. Um. So no hyper. Uh, Dulia is, mm-hmm. the, is the word we like. Yeah. Hyperventilate, hyperventilate, yeah. <laughs> not hyperventilate. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. I'm, I'm with you. Hi- you hyperven- yeah, venerate, venerate, yeah, not now, ventilate. Ter- Therese yeah. had difficulty saying a rosary, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. her piety wasn't uh, wasn't a problem. Yeah, <laughs> right. So she's like, she just her prayer was so deeply like, just plunge me into the depths mm-hmm. that to say the rosary was kind of hard for her. But most of us are on kind of the other side of the curve on that one. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I agree that I can hear like some of the the language and whatnot. Um, you know, you, you people can be a little bit uncomfortable with, but mm-hmm. he's not promoting worship. Yeah. He's just promoting entire every last fiber of my being trust her uh, role in Providence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it comes across so beautifully. It's like, wow, this, this, this guy really loves our yeah. lady and he just can't stop talking about her. And it's, uh, it but, is, it is beautiful. So again, it's going to culminate. And, uh, we, I, I do recommend it, uh, the consecrations. Of course, there's a lot of different ones. Father Michael Gailey has the very popular 33 days to morning glory. And there's, there's other ones that have come out. Uh, it's but a, it's, it's, it's a great way. And also it's, 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 it's good to do with your spouse or your family because yeah. I think it's a, it's a great devotion. You know, one of the things is there's so many rich devotions in the Catholic church that are approved that if we make them obligatory on some mm-hmm. individual by pressure uh, yeah. informally they can feel like wow this is too much i, I just like the jesus prayer you yeah. know or something like yeah. that fine right you know what right. i mean there's a lot of different variety these d- different uh, liturgical practices different extra liturgical devotions mm-hmm. i heard uh Cicel was recording her show yesterday and she was talking about the rosary yes. and how that was as as a protestant because Cicel's only been a catholic for uh four years, four years yeah. now and uh were all these things kind of strange for <laughs> it you was it was yeah. first time holding a rosary first time praying in adoration was all an experience yeah she said she went into adoration and you know you know as a, as, a, as you were still a protestant and they're yep. like what's going yeah. on what are they, are they doing <laughs> they didn't they're, realize they're, they're i was bringing this piece of bread up there and what, what's going on <laughs> when's the so miracle confused. gonna happen <laughs> i was like what's happening are we doing mass now <laughs> I, was very, I was very confused i was uh yeah i was in rca we hadn't gotten to adoration yet <laughs> 
uh, Catholics are like that too. I mean, true. You know, I didn't adoration until grad school. Uh, uh, yeah, this, uh, let, let me ask you, because just about out of time, and uh, this has been GRN Live. Thanks, everybody, for who's been listening, calling. If you, We still have a little bit of time if you want to jump in and talk about the assumption or anything that we've talked about during this last hour, 877-757-9424. I do want to pa- talk about infallibility, because that was yeah. officially defined at Vatican One, yeah. right? Back in the late, uh, what, 19th century, was it? Uh, yeah, and, well, mid, mid to late. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, and the, the two that everybody talks about in the Immaculate Conception and the Assumption, are, are those the only two ex-cathedra um, infallible statements from the popes of the last couple centuries, or well, are, are there others? That's co- what's commonly said. Yeah. But if you go back, for instance, uh, Benedict Twelfth, um, I forget the year, um, but he basically had to make good for his predecessor, yeah. who had been preaching something that the theologian said was heresy, uh, which it was. Uh, and um, so Benedict XII declared that after we're purified, after purgatory, we see we have the beatific vision even before resurrection. Mm. And he, you know, we de- we declare, we pronounce, we define. Yeah. So popes would say things like this: we declare, we pronounce, we define. But Boniface the Eighth, you know, not a great guy, but he had a he had an infallible uh, thunderbolt there. Okay. Yeah. So there are other. Than these two uh, ex cathedra pronouncements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by the I'd never heard of that one that you were just talking about. Benedict XII. Oh, yeah, and a lot yeah. of people. So there's these others uh, that you know are, are part of our faith. And, but, and, I, and I love, and I may get my my dates a little bit mixed up, but the infallible uh, statement. I think it was Pius the Ninth on yeah. Immaculate Conception comes, and then wasn't it like four years later that Our Lady appeared to Bernadette yes. and she said, "I am the Immaculate Conception." Yes. It's almost like she's saying, "Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm I'm going to go ahead and confirm." That, and the priest know? is like, do you know what that means? And and and, the, and uh, Bernadette says, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even a, the phrasing "I am." Yeah, mm-hmm. because Maximilian Colby made a lot of a, a lot to do about that. I am that? the oh yeah, I am the Immaculate Conception, and then he has a whole uh, theology of the Holy Spirit on the basis of that. Wow, I don't understand it. He's 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 too he's too deep, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's uh, going to do it. Uh, thanks so much, Dr. Chris Malloy and uh, Cecil Anderson, Diane Xavier on social media, and uh, have a great feast day and mm-hmm. uh, solemn Thank feast you. day today, solemnity tomorrow, and it's a great weekend to celebrate Our Lady. And um, and then thanks for listening. Don't forget, Joe and the team will be on Monday for the Journal Live Monday edition. And yeah, go ahead. There's a big novena. Venus starting tomorrow too. Our bishops are asking us for a miracle in the USA. Oh, is that oh, right? Wonderful. Okay, and starting w- tomorrow. Look it up. Rosary. I think it's a Rosary novena. All right. Okay. We'll see you next Friday. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive. From the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun, and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And may your Friday be filled with the joy of the Lord. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name. 
Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be his most sacred heart. Blessed be his most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary Most Holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be St. Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. A-T-H, 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth.